Join me in prayer as we enter our message time here at Elevating Life Church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your hospitality. And we apologize for being marginal host of life's glorious banquet. Humbly ask for understanding, insight, and reason into heavenly hospitality to reflect your truth and love towards others. We surrender to your way. It is in your Son's name we pray. Jesus Christ. Everybody says, Amen. You have a seat. Hello, hello, and good morning. It's good to see you on this first Sunday in autumn. Uh, you can feel it in the air. I, I love this season. It's, it is my favorite season. I hope uh, your days uh, into this new season are going well. So, uh, again, let me say, uh, again, I haven't said it yet. My name is Drake. I'm the senior pastor here at Elevating Life Church. And let me welcome, say welcome to our guests and our regular attendees. And, of course, our membership who brings this all together. It's our membership that uh, they are the host of all of this. Because if it wasn't for the membership, we wouldn't be here today. They turned the dream into a reality. And so uh, it's good to see everyone. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you all and uh, know uh, how much we appreciate you. We're going to jump right in today. So if you will, turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, to begin a message that I've titled, Big People Are Good Party Hosts. Big People Are Good Party Hosts. I hope you understand that we are to enjoy uh, and have the capacity to enjoy God's kingdom in the here and now. And it's a great celebration, and that celebration, of course, should reflect God's glory and uh, where we're at in the here and now. So, again, our title of our message today is Big People Are Good Party Hosts. Now, today, I want to focus on uh, Jesus' command known as Bring in the Poor. Jesus is going to give us an invitation list uh, and who we should invite into uh, this party, if you will, of God's. And so, and how we teach it here at Elevating Life Church, this is the 38th command out of 49 commands uh, of Christ that we see in the Gospels. And we're nearing the maturity point. And this is where, once we're mature in the mind of Christ, we get to, to get to be hosts in God's party. And, and that's in any area or any role that you are, are, are in or you're responsible for. So again, it's bring in the poor is our focus teaching today. Now let me say this right up front. By embracing and applying this particular command, bring in the poor, we can develop the virtue, or that's the life habit, Christ habit, of hospitality. Anybody uh, met somebody that has just that habit, they're just so hospitable, and they're, they're wonderful hosts. So when we understand this command properly, this teaching, I promise you, in the character of who you are with the mind of Christ, it develops the character trait of hospitality, which then when properly understood and applied, will destroy two habits in you. And those habits are meanness and unfriendliness, where we see mature people 
in the faith, reflecting the patterns of Jesus where they are serving life well and being good hosts of life. They're going to be great hosts. In fact, let's do this together to get this into our mind. On three, everybody say host. One, two, three. Thank you. So true. They will become good hosts towards God's celebration that happens always in His kingdom in the here and now. We got to understand the moment we become a Christian, a Christ follower, we are in God's kingdom. We're not waiting for the last breath for our ailments or our whatever conditions to take us away. We're in the kingdom now. That's what Jesus established over 2,000 years ago, where we can grow and develop in the mind of Christ, where we then develop these habits, now 38 of them, where we get to be good hosts of the life experience. Are you with me? So this is so important. This is the point of maturity. And so with that, read with me our opening verses, which is Luke 14, 12 through 14. And this, this is a familiar passage for most. Who here has heard uh, or, or that paraphrase of what we're, uh, of God's teaching knows, known as, excuse me, bring in the poor? You heard it. Raise your hand. There you go. Thank you for the activity. That helps. Let's read this and see what it's all about. Now, when Jesus said to his host, is that a party? We're going to talk a little bit about who this host is. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite. Now, he's going to give you some folks that he does not want you to invite to these parties. And it's pretty radical when you think about it. He says, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. What? If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will have to repay them. So what Jesus is talking about here is we've all had friends and relatives. When you do something, they expect something in return. Tit for a tat, an eye for an eye. Uh, what's, what's the saying these days? Quid pro quo mentality. That's what Jesus is talking about. And I know each and every one of us, know, we know what that is. Even the young people, our teenagers, you got friends, when they do something, you know they want something in return. No, no, Jesus is like, don't invite those people. Turn out to be, well, you won't go. Because if you do, let me read that again, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, party time, whoop, whoop, right? When you give a banquet, invite, now look at this invitation list. The poor, the cripple, the lame. No, i got to pause here. You see where it says, invite your friends and your brothers and sisters? This is a, a, a reverse list of what Jesus is give, giving. Now, this is my experience, and I apologize. Hopefully, I don't um, offend anybody, but get over it. Uh, <laughs> brothers and sisters. I had a brother and sister, and, and the opposite. And I always called them lame. I feel a little bit guilty these days, but I think Jesus is catching on to something. Anybody, you have a brother and sister, and you're like, you're so lame. 
Jesus is connecting with us a little bit here. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the blame, <laughs> the lame, speaking in tongues now, uh, the blind. And it goes on to say, verse 14, and you will be blessed. That means rewarded, paid. Although they cannot repay you in this immature position, but as they are now in the position of Christ and they're developing and growing uh, and become mature and become hosts themselves, Jesus says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous or the mature, in the sense if you understand the Sermon on the Mountain and how we develop the human experience in Christ. Are you with me? This is such radical words from Jesus. Now, you've got to imagine this. This is so crazy because Jesus was obviously invited into a party, and he's using all the, all the people as object lessons now. Can you imagine walking into a council situation, and all of a sudden Jesus is going to start teaching this lesson and using you in your maybe, in your maybe not-so-good place, and he starts using these people as object lessons. And it sounds mean, but you've got to understand where Jesus is. He's at the end of his ministry. He's been talking to Israel. They're not listening. Last week, as you heard with uh, Asking Faith, he cursed the fig tree, which represents the children of God in Israel. And he's now going to establish the church as we know it today, which is a party if you do it properly and if you interpret it properly. A lot of people interpret Christianity and go, ugh, oh, so boring. It's not fun. Hey, hey, if that's the case, you're not doing it right. So here, uh, it's so important to understand that last, you will be repaid in the sense of fulfillment and happiness and what success is when it comes to the human a being or the human experience. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So there you have it, Luke 14, 12 through 14. Now, if you want to get more into this, I invite you to come to Sunday Cool because we went through Luke 14, verses 1 through 23 in our class this morning. And man, was that fun, well, at least for me, to really uncover the nitty-gritty here in the sense of gaining a good understanding, gaining some insight, and then reasoning it, reasoning it through so that you can come to a position like, I get it. I can grasp it. So I invite you to come to the Sunday Cool Hour so that then you can really go deeper uh, with what this is and, and teach you how to, how to do some um, good meals with the Word of God. So there you have it again, Luke 14, 12 through 14. Now, uh, before I go on, I need to drink. Pepsi, if anybody's wondering. Now, that was a, you know, uh, Henry Cloud is an acquaintance of mine. So um, he's the one that suggested drink hey, Pepsi as you're preaching. Cause, and it works, too, because the little fizzy, it's got to be good Pepsi. Uh, you know, here's the sinuses and all that as you're talking. Uh, if you're a public speaker, there you go, for free. All right, understanding. Uh, the teachings of Jesus here, his command. Uh, and he's speaking to a prominent Pharisee. Now, how do we know this? So the host that's mentioned at the beginning of our verses here is a prominent Pharisee who we read about in Luke 14, verse 1. We don't have time to look at all that. And that prominent Pharisee, if you know your Bible, is refers uh, to, uh, more likely than not, Nicodemus. 
in John chapter 3, who was a Pharisee, uh, a, a religious zealot, Greek, whatever you want to call him. He, he came to Jesus. He became a Christian. But he still has his position as a Pharisee, a very prominent position. And of course, Jesus is being, he was invited, and now he's teaching this Pharisee. That's not normal. That means this Pharisee, prominent Pharisee, has humbled himself and in the position of Christ, where Christ is now teaching, uh, more likely not, Nicodemus. Does that make sense? It's important we understand that because if we start injecting things here and it's not true, well, we, we understand the history behind that at this point. So, now understanding the teachings of Jesus to a prominent Pharisee who was the host of the banquet is critical for anyone, uh, critical to understand for anyone to, to be a good host now in uh, God's kingdom on earth. You've got to understand what that is and what that means. The teaching is significant for those wishing to participate and be good hosts in God's celebration and or banquet, which we now call the church. Now, let me say this. Before diving deeper into the command, bring in the poor, we must understand a few things. First, we must understand what it means to be a good party host. Yes? Very important. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's a great host. And so we got to understand what that means. First, let me say this. It means you are mature enough to host a party for God. Hence today's message, big people are good party hosts. You have to be good. If you're not good enough, you're just like my granddaughter who's 10 years old and you're just playing party. Right? And nothing wrong with playing. You've got to learn that way. But we got to get out of that immature position and stop playing it individually, personally, and, and or collectively. Are you with me? It's cute. But I tell you what, if it's just a greasy rag sin, syndrome, if you will, in, in the ministry, in church, and in God's kingdom, let's just fold it all up. So we are always developing and growing. That's why it's so important to understand the commands of Christ and apply them. Don't just understand them. Reason them through. And make sure that you gain the insight so that then in your human experience, you can develop as a human being through the way, truth, and life of Christ. Are you with me? You have to be intentional. You're half-hearted, on the fence, don't care. Thanks for coming. Now, the, to, to host a good party for God means to bring people into the experience, first and foremost, your experience, which ought to reflect God's glory, honoring Christ's process or these teachings of living in a celebratory way that serves God's plan, purpose, and perspective, not your own. That's selfishness. And we do that to the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Now, to be a host, this is so important, one must have the mind of Christ. Let that sink in. To be a good host of God's kingdom in who we are today, with Jesus sitting 
in his throne with God. Next to God the Father. You must have a mind of Christ if you expect to be a good part of Anything other than that, everything's wrong. So with that statement, the mind of Christ, guess what? I have a question. Here's a question. I want you to think of your own mind. You're all thinking or something. Give me your focus. Here's a, a, a question we must ask. Do you sense you have a mind that aligns with the teachings and an example of Jesus Christ, of true life, or just the opposite? Do you have a mind that aligns with the teachings, the example, and the work? Because to be a host takes work of Jesus Christ, which expands, please young people pay attention here, which expands life to its full potential. Anything else is in part. You will miss the mark, I guarantee it, in how God designed life to be, in a sense of being a fulfilled human being. Does that make sense? Have a mind that aligns with Christ, or just the opposite. Now, we need to ask ourselves such questions to adjust our attitude toward the mind of Christ to be good party hosts. Hey, do you know some people uh, in the Christian faith or calls themselves Christians who needs a good attitude adjustment? Who's with me? And this is exactly what Jesus is doing to his, the friends around the table and, and, and these relatives and their brothers and sisters. He, he's adjusting or he's attempting to adjust these people, and he's saying, hey, you're the poor, you're the crippled, you're this, that, in what we see in our main verse today. Because you're not doing it right. Your mind is destroying your human experience. If you don't believe me, look at the suicide statistics today in the church. They're ridiculous because we're not leaning into the mind of Christ and understanding what that is, grabbing the insight and or reasoning it. There's too many people rationalizing their life and not reasoning it according to Christ if they call themselves a Christian. And if they don't call themselves a Christian, we need to invite them in and get them into the party. Does that make sense? Now, let me say this. Having the mind of Christ refers to sharing the plan, the purpose, and please hear this, the third P here, and perspective of Christ. we got this thing called relativism going on in our world today where we say, well, everybody has a perspective. That's true, and we're going to respect that. However, not every perspective, very few perspectives are even right. They're wrong. And we are here as a host as, a, as a, a, a party host for God's kingdom to help adjust. We're going to listen, yes. But you've got to be a mature host to listen properly so you can hear if they have an understanding of life. Do they understand the, the insights that goes with life and how that is processed and worked out? And can you reason with them to say, hey, I respect that, but you might want to change your perspective because the wages of sin is that simple. You know it. 
The mind of Christ is, refers to the plan, purpose, and perspective of Christ. It means understanding God's plan in a broken world. We live in a broken world, yes? And we need to redeem ourselves in a broken world. There's too many people that identify themselves in their ailments and their brokenness, and, and they're just like, oh, you know, the Eeyore uh, syndrome. Oh, I lost my tail. This is who I am in my mental condition. I get it. We don't want to disrespect that. But don't forget we're identified in Christ first and foremost, and our purpose falls in the purpose of God, not the purpose of your ailments. There's too many people, Christians I'm talking about now, that are crippled. And we'll say lame, even blind in this. We've got to shift our attitude if we're going to have the mind of Christ. It's so important if we are going to make a difference in our world. We, where we have significance, where we truly get the love and truth of God to a lost and dying world. So having the mind of Christ is about you and I identifying with Christ's purpose of pursuing the poor, the crippled, the lame, and blind, and inviting them into life's party right here in the local church to experience the goodness of God. That is the mind of Christ. In other words, I can say this, we must seek and save the lost as Jesus did. And I know that's a belief, but we got to get some practice in there with that belief. Don't forget uh, the demons believe. We've got to get some action, a uh, call to action in place where we're getting the principles and practices of God in place with that belief. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to uh, be, again, a greasy rag type of person, ministry, and just kind of chase our... You guys know anybody, human beings, Christians, that just kind of live like that? That's not the intent of the human experience through Christ at all. So to possess the mind of Christ is to, please hear this, comprehend life through the blessings and truth of God. It's to acquire the perception. Notice that's different than perspective. To acquire the interpretation of life or the perception of Jesus to construct wisdom, divine wisdom, and to reason about life in a matter it generates significant benefits for yourself, others, and the bigger picture of God's reality. The mind of Christ is a continuous journey. We call this sanctification and the salvation. It's a continuous journey of spiritual development and transformation of the human experience. It's not a religious piece or part that just exists somewhere else. And we kind of hit, hit it once in a while. It is a whole reality where we then are experiencing life the way God intended us to live it out in his kingdom, which is known now in the place we are at and forever eternity. Are you still with me? So our goal then, as God's host, is to be like Jesus. To have the mind of Christ. Like Jesus, we get to party His way to serve God's truth and have a life that guarantees celebration. We have the capacity to enjoy life. Raise your hand 
if you want to have the capacity to enjoy life now and always. Of course. If it's not, come see me. We've got some work. Simply put, let's say this about the mind. I, I want to make sure this is well known. I want you to think of your mind. Because this is the definition of the mind, generally speaking. The mind, please hear this, equals the inner sense of the human being or the human experience. That's all the mind means. I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding here, and we need to understand that. So let me say it again. The mind, your mind, equals the inner sense, fulfillment or not, of the human experience. And the mind is generally made up of three Elements. Those elements of who you are in your experience uh, are known as understanding, insight, and reason. Reason, not rationalization. Too many people rationalizing things their way. But that is the mind. It is these three segments, if you will, of the mind we are to align now with Christ's way, truth, and life. Or the mind of Christ. Does that make sense? Now let me say this. If not, if your mind is not appropriately aligned, one or four things are blocking the way. Now as expressed, you've already read it, as expressed in our passage today, those four things are number one, pride. Some people don't listen because it's just too prideful. You got nothing to say. My attitude is nothing you can do. So pride, narcissism, those offers, keeps you away from God's plan. Another thing is crippledness. Follow Jesus' lesson here. This means you're crippled. You might be a Christian, but you're crippled in your understanding or interpretation of life or the human experience. I can't tell you how many people are trying to define their human experience their way and it, it, based on family based on relatives and friends, based on rich neighbors. Are you with me? And it's crippled them, even as Christians. Now, we're all Christians. I see most of us. I, I don't know one, but most I know you are in the position of Christ. But how many friends and, and relatives and have crippled you in your interpretation? This is what Jesus is talking about. It is absolutely um, shameful in the sense of those people, and we can talk about religion because they are Pharisees he's talking about. We can talk about religion in the church today. Do you agree with their teaching in, in the sense of God is good and you're bad, try harder? That feels really good, doesn't it? And that interpretation has absolutely crippling more Christians than not in our culture. So please, please, please. Open up to a different way because God is good. You're very good because it says that in Genesis 1 and also in Psalms. And Yet another thing uh, in, in sense of what we're talking about is um, in the human experience is your insight of living uh, are based on the world's patterns of living rather than Jesus. I promise you, how many Christians priority is going to, I don't know, some entertaining event rather than being a church. Yes, I'm implying something. 
doesn't take a rocket science. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's your priority, you think you're going to develop the mind of Christ without coming to a place where we teach it and we go after it? Come on. doesn't even make sense. That's lame. I'm sorry. My brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that's straightforward, but isn't that what Jesus is doing here? And I'm not here, please, I'm not here to disrespect that, but come on. We, we keep leaning into politics or these social events like sports and education, and, and all these forces are, are driving our intent, or better yet, our priorities. And we're missing the mark when it comes to the mind of Christ because we're not coming to a place that we can learn. And or we're trying to interpret it based on our own rationalization of our own experience or family or relatives, and it's not working. Thank you. You guys are quiet. So finally, our our perspective is wrong, and people are blind, or you are blind, in your opinions, in your viewpoints. That's humility. I might have to understand, maybe reason some things differently. Your perspective is wrong. And you are blind in your opinions and or your viewpoints when it comes to reality, truth. Jesus said, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Now, as stated earlier, our goal is to have a mind of Christ. And again, the mind equals the inner sense of who you are or that human experience. Please let that be your walk away. It's here that it's here that when we say every Sunday morning, as we did this morning, it is well with my soul. We're intentionally going after this thing. John, I appreciate it. Nice enough. It is well with my soul. Are those just words? Or are we gaining the understanding, insight, and reason of God? And are we gaining wisdom uh, to fill our mind with Christ so that then gives us the ability or allows us to interpret life based on God's perspective? Are you with me? No, you're going to have a philosophical lesson. Philosophy just means wisdom, love after Christ's mind. Now, with the mind of Christ generally understood, we need to understand now what the human experience is all about. Because I say the human experience, you guys are like, what? what does that mean? Are you defining it for yourself? Let me define it for you today because this is going to be radically important and will help many people out. So we need to understand this or the human experience to be good host uh, for God to serve life well both personally and collectively. Now, let me say it this way, with the human experience on our mind. We've got the mind of Christ, but we have other dimensions of who we are. As most are aware of this, if you come to our church, Sharon and I are founders of four-dimensional living. You know that, raise your hand. Most know. That's our nonprofit organization that serves the spiritual needs of the human experience to heal the soul and bring about goodness in one's life Yes, in the church, but beyond the church as well, where people come 
and we really serve their human experience to help them heal. We serve them that way. Come to our organization with one of our coaches. Now, most people who know me in the church equate 4D living with the four temperaments of human existence, and, and that would be true. However, that's surface. It goes deeper than personality, and that's deeper than temperament and character and performance or behavior. I named our organization 4D Living because it represents the four dimensions of the human experience, which are these dimensions, the intellectual, aesthetic, moral, and spiritual dimensions. If you know the four Gospels, they link right up to those four dimensions. Are you with me? Each dimension, now when I say the word dimension, I mean the breadth of who you are a portion or portions of who you are and or the measurement of who you are. So each dimension aims uh, to obtain the greater good in life in one of those four dimensions or the breath of life so we can celebrate life. Now I mentioned these four dimensions because each one has a target. So I said the intellectual, aesthetic, moral, and spiritual dimension. Each one has a target as a human experience that you've got to go after if you expect to be fulfilled, happy, and successful. Those four targets, in the sense of that, I don't have time to get into all of that, are truth, beauty, goodness, and unity. That's what we're after in life. In each one of those dimensions, in the sense of, uh, let's say, intelligent dimension, go after the truth of God rather than, let's say, the power of this world. And so each dimension has its, its uh, respective targets. Now, the opposite of those targets, if you have a worldly mindset, it is not, it's just the opposite. Rather than truth, when somebody in their human experiences, in their intellect, is studying and, and going through all of that, they're going after power or authority rather than truth. That's the world's pattern. Does that make sense? When we are not after the beauty of life, the Christ-like mentality or dimension, rather than beauty being our target and sense of design and who we are and what we do and everything that there is, we go after fame, popularity, more clicks online, more fame rather than beauty. Because that does nothing more than collapse the beauty of life. Who's with me? Facebook, TikTok. I'm not against them. I, I use them, but they're tools. But when people go after it and that's what motivates them, your target is wrong and you're headed down the wrong path. Welcome to the wages of sin is death. Welcome to 2023. Good night. I'm halfway through. You guys ready? So those are the targets God, and this, this has been researched in, in theology. It's even been researched now in science. They're coming back around going, ooh, we got to pay attention. You, you ever, uh, it's interesting, um, anybody here enjoy science? Anybody ever take a quantum physics class or go in that direction? I took one. Uh, it's been about 10 years ago. And my mentor, y'all know him, Dr. Lincoln, goes, Drake, you need to go take a course in. I, you know, 
when he asked me that, it looked like a lot of you just looked and I said, quantum physics. <laughs> what? But all they're doing is they're in search of some energy, some, some breath. That's all they are. And the world is going after. So the science has qualified what's already been in, in place since the beginning of time. And so we've got to make sure that each dimension is aiming after its right target, truth, beauty, goodness, and unity. Now these targets are uh, target, <laughs> these are the targets God has set for all humans if they expect life to go well. It is well with my soul. You can, you can try to do it any other way, but I promise you, it will not be well with your soul. And even you come to church and you say it all you want, hoping that evolution will take over and somehow plop on you. Or you can be a creationist and say, I've got to figure out how to develop the mind of Christ in the way that God designed it to be developed in the fall. So it is not well with your soul if we miss the mark concerning God's bigger target in life. Missing the mark means to aim at those worldly targets in power, reputation, wealth, status. When we develop these dimensions, now the God dimensions of the human experience through the mind of Christ, and aim at their respective targets, we know we are on the right course of our salvation journey of living a good and excellent life through God's perspective. Philippians 3.14 says this, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Are you connecting the dots? Now, tonight I'm out of time. I know that. With, what's that? Okay. With the dimensions of the human experience somewhat understand these four dimensions, we must know this. The first three dimensions I mentioned, which are intelligent, aesthetics, and moral dimensions, overlap relationships. So think of a, a, a diagram here. Here it is. This is a Venn diagram, a relationship diagram. This is your human intelligence, or excuse me, your human experience that we're talking about. Every one of you have an uh, intellectual, aesthetic, and moral. You make choices and you do things one way or other, intent and everything. This is how this looks. It overlaps in relationship. Now, I say this because the fourth dimension, which is the spiritual dimension, um, with its unity target, we want unity, has a more prominent role and responsibility than others. And this is so important to understand to feed the human experience. Now, this does make sense spiritually when thinking about it. Instead of connecting, let's say, that dimension, or bonding as the other dimensions do, the spiritual dimension of who you are, every human being, encompasses all the areas of the human experience. It looks like this, implying that all of life is spiritual, no matter what you believe. And this is proven. This is proof. Don't have a faith like mustard seed and try to figure it out? Well, here, now you can see it, and you can even go after it and see that life is all spiritual. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist. It doesn't matter if you're an agnostic. It doesn't matter. Life, no matter what, is all spiritual. And it's been proven through the human experience or what we call the human being, our own experience. And I promise you, once you take your last breath in this body, that human experience goes somewhere. So this the whole spiritual dimension. 
this image is essential to understand uh, the meaning of now being a good party host because no matter where you're at, you can see in the spiritual dimension of who you are, you are to serve certain things. First and foremost, take the beam out of your own eye, as we see in Matthew 5, and then you're going to expand that experience where you're going to really have the capacity to enjoy wisdom and everything that goes with that so that you can be a mature, good party. Now, just in as quick as I can, we're going to go through this quick, Heather. As a mature host, I'm going to do this within two minutes. There's four things you serve. Come back to church, Sunday cool, and we'll talk more about that. There's four things you serve to the human experience that expect life to be well and to be a good host. Those four things are, number one, bring it up, uniqueness. We have to let people and understand ourselves how unique we are, how special we are. God has designed us in his image, and I call this, if you read my books, wonderfully weird. Number two is, throw it up there, union. Every human being must have a sense and live life outside of their own human experience. Does that make sense? We must serve things greater than us. Get out of your selfishness and learn how to serve others. And first and foremost, serving God. And then we work our way back down. Because if you're not careful here, you'll serve a child, your children. You'll serve everybody but God. And you still have a sense of union with life, but it's in part or lower than truly connecting with God first and foremost, and then working your way the other way around. Too many people are finding uh, union with things outside of themselves, but they miss God. All you know, people that live for their children, that live for uh, their grandchildren, that, hey, that's all good, but you better be connected to God and allow God to feed you spiritually because the child, the husband, the work, whatever that's greater than you only has so much energy. We need the Holy Spirit to feed us to get a sense of union. Does that make sense? Now, the third one here, this is a big one. In church, please hear this. We must have a sense of usefulness. One of the worst feelings in the world is not feeling uh, we're doing or working at something where we're useful. If you're coming back to, and, and this is what scares a lot of people away at Elevating Life Church, if you're going to come back here we don't let you just sit there passively and not be useful because we understand how important this is. But there's too many people through the world pattern who just show up. Students, you know what I mean, if you're going to school. They're not doing much. So one last one, and this is the big one, is understanding, which if you understand, understanding those are the four things we serve. We serve understanding, or we interpret God's perspective where we get to truly work with people on how to interpret life properly so that their human experience is healthy, it's wise, it is, it is well with my soul. Where we can be good hosts with an invitation list that brings in support. Beginning where we started, Luke 14. 13 and 14 this time, but when you give a party, a banquet, invite the poor, cripple the lame and the blind, 
you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you up front, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, where we're all going to party Jesus' time. Amen? Here's the message.